0: Well, 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 welcome to the Purple Stuff Podcast. Starling Jay from the Sexy Outfit and Matt from Dinosaur Dracula. We were all funny! We still all felt the same! Suddenly we sang happy! It was a rock, rock,
1: Matt, the ocean covers 71% of the Earth's surface. Does it now? That's a lot, Jay. 97% of the Earth's water is the ocean all around us. It's incredible. 97%. Think of all the weird and scary creatures that are living under the water. Uh, What do you think is the scariest one? Maybe the kraken? The Kraken is that big, giant uh, monster that, like, eats boats and stuff. Okay, so you're assuming that it's a, it's a real thing. Yeah, the Kraken was seen off the coast of the Jersey Shore once, but then they found out it was just a floating pile of garbage. <laughs> 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 what about you? Uh, okay, if I'm, if, I'm, if I'm keeping it real, the scariest thing in the ocean not a big fan of those portuguese men of war oh yeah that's how you pluralize man of war right men of war men of war yes yeah. <laughs> yeah. portuguese men of war <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you get stuck in them it's like they kind of like eat you basically have you ever been eaten by any kind of like sea-faring creature or bitten or anything Well, I mean, I'm desperately afraid of the ocean. So for that reason, no, I stay away. Therefore, I cannot be bit. Oh, that's that's very smart. You, on the other hand, a a famous surfer in your younger days. (laughs) I'm sure you had all kinds of run-ins with uh, sharks and crabs. No, I try to stay away from that stuff. I did once get a massive cut on coral. Ooh, you know, that shit could kill you. I just was bleeding all the way on the hot sand back to the hotel. It was terrible. So where was this like uh, Atlantis the resort? I mean, not the fictional city. (laughs) It was in, it was close. It was in Bermuda. Yeah. (laughs) Mm. But so I'm thinking, you know, with all of these creatures that are around us, if you had to wager a guess, what percent of our listeners were yearning for a show about sea monsters? Okay, well, you said what? The ocean constituted 71%, was it, of the Earth? And you said that 97% of the ocean is all of the water on Earth. Yeah, yeah. So with those two things in mind, I would probably wager that 4% of our listeners were (laughs) hoping for a show about sea monsters. (laughs) and That's what we're going to be doing tonight on the Purple Stuff podcast, so they got their wish. SEA MONSTERS! Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah! <laughs> this is gonna be hot. I mean, we already did a show about pop culture sharks, and now we're doing a show about pop culture SEA MONSTERS! You could always do a show on this. You're always game to do this. Like, every time you brought it up, and it's been probably six or seven times, I'm like, dude, whenever you want to do SEA MONSTERS, <laughs> just give me five minutes warning. I'm there. <laughs> I'm ready. Yes. Yeah, it's been a long time coming. So we're coming to the table tonight with eight great sea monsters, and I think it's your turn to go first, Jay. I'm going to kick things off tonight, and here we go with my first sea monster. Number one.
0: But from the depths, the scale the life. Here.
1: You ready to jump? For my first pick tonight, Matt, it's the trench monsters from Aquaman. The Trench Monsters. Yeah, I know that you actually watched Aquaman, which I'm very proud of you for doing. I realized when I did, and it was just last night, that's the first DCEU movie I've seen. The Trench Monsters first appeared in the pages of DC Comics uh, 2011, it was. And uh, then they made their big movie debut live action in Aquaman. And Aquaman was a pretty big movie for DC. But the big thing here is that it spurred a possible horror spinoff movie produced by James Wan about these trench monster characters. All right. So I, I do have a question then about that, because, yeah, it would have been cool. But I feel like if we're going to lose a few movies in light of the coronavirus uh, side movie about the lobster people from Aquaman, probably going to be the first thing on the chomping block. (laughs) And that's why I could show it some love tonight, just in case that movie never happened. So I'll bet you $5,000. It'll (laughs) never happen. Oh God. (laughs) And I'm not saying this to be disparaging. I would love a movie about this trench. Absolutely. So these guys are these like horrific sea creatures that Aquaman has a run in with. The best way I could describe them is that they're like a human sized sea gremlin. But instead of making mischief, they eat people. Yeah, I think that would be a fair comparison. So these guys, like there's like thousands of them when they want to uh, pounce on their prey. It's not just one or two. There's like thousands that. come. Oh, yeah. Get you know, you. It, it's over the top. I mean, you really have to suspend your disbelief to see Aquaman and 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 what's her name? Uh Mira. Mira, no, yeah. Mara. Mera, yeah. Mara, yeah. Bright red hair. Yeah, exactly. To yeah. escape that many fishmen. come on. I know yeah. he was the, 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 the uncrowned king, but it was hard to buy, personally, Jay. They booked him strong, definitely, mm-hmm. but... <laughs> <laughs> they put him over. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when you think about Aquaman, brought to us by James Wan, who is like the modern director of horror. He's that kind of uh, modern-day horror guy. He was responsible for Saw, Insidious, The Conjuring, and now Aquaman. So, I mean, to think that we could potentially see at least something about these trench monsters, which the chances are pretty low, but I do kind of hold out hope for it because I think it's something that'd be really cool to see a horror movie based in the sea, like a Jaws movie, except with these trench monsters. Yeah, no, uh, don't get me wrong. It would be the coolest thing ever. These like cherry flavored mutant anglerfish in their own movie. I'm totally down for it. I do have a question, though. They have a pretty not very substantial role in the movie. In the comics, like, do you feel like there's enough story for these guys to carry a movie? I don't think there's enough story at all because they're not very good actors. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they don't speak really. They just kind of like lumber around and eat people. Well, I mean, when you when you find out all the stuff that they have uh, in their repertoire, like, let's just talk about it here. They have this thing that's called toxic kinesis, which is the ability to spit a chemical from their mouth that can cause paralysis. Shit. Yeah, they have needlepoint nails that can cut steel. They've got razor sharp teeth that can bite through bones. Their metabolism requires them to consume 20 to 30 times their own weight in food to survive. So that would be like me eating 5,000 pounds of food per meal. Wow. Yeah, (laughs) that's something to consider. You got to wonder, maybe they're not eating very often down there in the depths. (laughs) Is there um, an action figure form of the trench monster? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, If there is, I want to own it. Oh, there must not be them, because if there was, you would own it. Yeah, I don't think there is. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, I got to look that up, though. I'll be right back. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> There's fucking trench monster figure.
0: Son is, of a is bitch. Is it really?
1: Fuck, oh, how wait, do I not oh, have this? Hold on a second. I, I I was like, I was I thought it was setting you up to a layup right there. I figured that's you would have to am looking it up. I'm like, what Trench the fuck? I, I want this now. Son of a Hold bitch. Hold on, let me see what it looks like. Mattel, DC, Multiverse, Trench Warrior, CNC Aquaman movie series, collecting something. Oh, you got to put it together with like the pieces from each, oh, each figure. You, oh, that's oh, such dude. a low move on who made yeah. this Mattel man because you had to you had to get all the schmoes just to get your fish man in order yeah and now like if you go on ebay they'll probably charge like 150 bucks for it yeah well i guess you'll find out as soon as we're done recording won't you? <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs>
0: Number 2
1: I'm gonna kick things off with a little Star Wars tonight, Jay. All right. My first pick is the Sando Aqua Monster yes. from Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, back in '99. Awesome. Yeah. So, Phantom Menace had its share of critics, and I think both of us have been among them at times. Yeah. I gotta say though, like I was never completely against this film. I always had a good time with it. Of course, there was some stuff that people will complain about it, uh, but I was always kind of like into this movie. When it comes to Star Wars, you're a pretty easy sell in general. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm a little bit more critical than you, I think, in this arena. Yeah. But my point was that even the if stories in Star Wars, if you want to count the Phantom Menace among them, they always give you something to validate their existence. And for me, if it's the Phantom Menace, we're talking... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> if we're talking about the Phantom Menace... The one thing I think definitely validates the entire existence of the film is the Sando Aqua Monster. Okay, I could see that. Yeah, yeah. What is your thoughts about this Leviathan of the Naboo Seas, Jay? You know how we have creatures in life. uh, Sometimes they're urban legends or these mythical creatures. Within the Star Wars universe, the Sando Monster is this mythical creature. A lot of the Naboo citizens don't know if the sando monster is real or just a myth i see someone's been getting some use out of the uh, phantom and its visual dictionary i gave you <laughs> yes. <three> years ago <laughs> <laughs> but i find that part of it fascinating i'm also surprised that you didn't go with like either the colo clawfish or the opc killer As Qui-Gon said, there's always a bigger fish, right? (laughs) And if I'm gonna pick one, go with the biggest. You wanna go with the biggest, but like the colo the colo clawfish is kind of like got that like glow in the dark kind of vibe and is really scary looking. But yeah, Sando's the way to go. He's more than two Statue of Liberties tall. (laughs) Yes, I believe he they get as big as 200 meters. I don't know what 200 meters is. I assume it's something like 60 miles long. It's like 656 feet long. I think that is enormous. The largest predator on Abu, and aside from the space worm in Empire Strikes Back, I don't know if there's been a larger animal in any Star Wars movie. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, and plus, is there one that's more jacked? Because he, (laughs) because Sando, Sando jacked. Here's the situation: Sando <laughs> Aqua Monster is uh, essentially like Godzilla, but he's got, like you said, this jacked up Brock Lesnar physique. Yeah, he is huge. So, if you could picture a cross between Godzilla, Brock, and a tadpole, that is the Sando <laughs> Aqua Monster. <laughs> he looks like he, he looks like a swimming T Rex or something like that yes and he's got those glowing red hives jay yeah he does he does so in i don't know how deep you went into this but like oh then- i went for jay trust me i went deep there ain't shit you could tell me about sando that i haven't heard or read before there was a cartoon called forces of destiny and i never heard of that cartoon <laughs> And the Sando Aqua Monster is trying to rescue its baby from this building, so Padme lets the baby go. But the Sando Monster like wrecks the whole building and just gets the baby, and everything's fine, and everybody's happy in the end. I'm like uh, Charlie Brown with Lucy's football right now because <laughs> I really, really want to buy this one. It's for and- real that in my heart i know that there's no fucking way (laughs) but there's a star wars cartoon where padme helps a mother sando aqua monster save her child from a building yeah sando aqua monster doing in a building anyway no the the baby it's a baby sando aqua monster so then the mom came and tried to rescue it are you gonna send me to google or are you gonna fess up (laughs) because I'll go to Google if you think that, you know, I'll, it can back you up. I think you should definitely Google Forces of Destiny Sando Aqua Monster. Forces of Destiny, which sounds like a really lame like mobile game, <laughs> like a Star Wars skin of Bejeweled. <laughs> Forces of Destiny Sando Aqua Monster. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> I can't believe in all of your Sando Aqua Monster knowledge that you didn't know about this. The title of the episode is Monster Misunderstanding. <laughs> You're going to have to give me a moment here. Is Glad's new bag happier than a baby? Oh, <laughs> fucking Glad Bag fucking commercial. Yeah. <laughs> Skip ahead. Yeah. Oh, God. Here we go. Oh, gosh. Oh, my God. He's skipping ahead. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's an animated Sando Aqua monster, and they're shooting at it. He's all around, and, and there is a baby Sando Aqua monster in a building. <laughs> I told you. Um, and (laughs) and her troops and holy shit you sounded like you were lying i can't believe it's true did you like hire our friend chicken dynasty to do some work for you i was just thinking chicken dynasty would be the man to do this but no i didn't well that's something and i thank you i'm so glad i picked the sandal aqua monster if i hadn't i would have never known yeah (laughs) now it's a part of our lives forever Yes, thank you, Jay. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Number three. Octopus cove just below, mighty Hordak. Contact the Dreadnought and have them clear us to land. I must speak with Octavia immediately! Greetings, Mighty Hordak. It's good to see you again. We must prepare to sail immediately.
1: As you command, Mighty All
0: Alright,
1: Matt, for my second pick, It's Octavia, the Horde villain from She-Ra, the Princess of Power. What a treasure. What a knockout. She's my new favorite She-Ra character, Jay. Yeah, she's awesome. Hailing from Octopus Cove, she's an aquatic warrior, Horde commander, and she has green skin and tentacles. So what's not to love, right? She is absolutely perfect in every way. She is what I call a 10. She is a green monster with tentacles, but she's also extremely hot. She, yeah, for her species, she's like one of the hottest. She has a lot of crossover appeal. It's, it's wild. It, <laughs> it's, 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 she, she's just a knockout. She is. Yeah. One of the coolest things that she does is that she could squeeze your body into submission and suck the power right out of you. I'll say. <laughs> yeah. So like Merman was the obvious choice here, but I wanted to give some love to the lesser talked about Motu Sea Creature. And she didn't have much screen time in the series aside for like two episodes. Uh but yeah, to man, me. She maximized those minutes, really. Oh, oh, she really did. She was just chewing up the scenery. I believe Octavia was your first pick. You're like, snap Octavia. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> In one of the episodes, she's in a duel, and I realized, you know that song, Moves Like Jagger? She's got the moves like Grievous, because she can duel like General Grievous. I absolutely. First of all, let's go through like, that scene. So, yeah. Shira's hanging out with this random pirate hero guy. He's, he's not in every episode, but he's in this one. Yeah, the Seahawk. Yeah, Seahawk. Seahawk is going to approach uh, Octavia to have a battle, and he lights up a lightsaber. <laughs> <laughs> and then i'm like oh my god that's so star warsy and the next thing i know you got octavia pulling out four swords like grievous yep like, holy shit she's got tentacles handling all the swords yeah yeah it's where <laughs> lucas got the idea yep what we said so far it's amazing we were enthusiastic about it but here's the brilliant part about octavia she's voiced by melanie Britt, who was also the voice of she and she did, like, 40 other voices for the show. And Wow. I mean, She-Ra and Octavia are the same artist. That's impressive. That's what I'm saying. And, like, a lot of the actors, they had, like, four voices, four voice actors who did everybody's voice. You know, it was, it's just incredible to me because they brought such different vibes to the table. She's doing the innocent Adora, the powerful She-Ra. And the slimy, villainous octopus creature, and she sells the shit out of it. Yeah, she's got to do that like weird breathing thing. It's like,) <gasps>
0: <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> And she has a real whimsical laugh, too, and she manages to get that in there. So one of my favorite things about Octavia I don't know if you noticed this, but there's a part where she whips out magic wands and encases Swiftwind in ice. Yes, and I'm like, really? That's one of your powers. I'm like, what? You're—he's like this, this tyrannical Bluto of a Medusa octopus woman, but she could also whip out magic wands and encase you in ice.
0: <laughs>
1: Swift wind,
0: cold, so
1: cold. Sometimes things were a little arbitrary. That's why I fucking love those old uh, He-Man and She-Ra cartoons, because it's basically like if you were a kid and you got the script He-Man and She-Ra, it's like, what well, what happened next? Oh, uh, let's just turn this octopus into a magician. It was almost like Bob Ross made this cartoon. He's like, let's paint a little ice cube over here. <laughs> <laughs> but in this episode, The Treasure of the First Ones, the one thing I was going to bring up to you is uh hordak's dreadnought which was basically the uss flag but the hordak version it was so out of place because it was so earthly yes yes it looked like just like uh the intrepid the uss intrepid and uh you're like this is great because hordak's face and logo is plastered on everything he was branding before it was a thing yeah, he's very sure to take credit for his work. And if you could do the things he did, like create a fucking battleship in Etheria, yeah. <laughs> you would put your face on it too, Jay. Exactly. So Shira throws throws, uh, like, I don't know, she throws like a ship into the sea or she does something where it creates a tidal wave, which capsizes this dreadnought. And what happens is inside the ship, Hordak is sitting there and Octavia falls on his lap And it creates this very awkward shot where it looks like she's in his lap and they're they're doing like a butt bongo fiesta type thing. It wouldn't have been so bad if they hadn't drawn the crack of her ass in that shot. (laughs) But you're right. (laughs) It sounds like perverse, but I mean, it's plain as day. They did have a kind of like a, a weirdly monstrous, but flirtatious... Relationship in a way, yeah, a little bit of uh, uh attraction, yeah, Oof. yeah. I mean, you cut it with a knife, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I
0: bet that was surprised. <laughs> what happened? Shira happened, you fool! I don't know how, but she's beaten me again. Now get off me! Number four. Since the beginning of time, men have roamed the earth and dared the elements in search of adventure. But today there is a new breed of adventurer, the scientist, who explores uncharted areas of the world not for riches over adventure, but in search of answers to man's problems of pollution and disease. Such a man on such a quest leads an ecological expedition to a primitive Latin American fishing community where they uncover the hideous fruit of atomic radiation in the form of a bizarre legend wrapped in terror and written in blood.
1: So you just brought up Octavia... And that's a good lead into my next pick, Octoman. Oh, a match made in heaven, brother. Yes, Octavia and Octoman. Octoman is the star of the same-named Mexican-American horror movie from 1971. And I understand that you watched it in preparation for the show. I watched Octoman. I did. I had never seen it previous. First-time watch. Huh. Yeah. Was it the last time watched? Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it takes some getting used to. This is the simple story of an octopus growing into a killer humanoid octopus thanks to radioactive waste or something, right? Yeah. He was an octopus man. I yes, mean, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like it's this enormous green rubber suit. And it was created by Rick Baker. So it, it, the suit really did look good. But I don't think it was meant to carry a 90-minute film in broad daylight. It definitely wasn't, but before you go further, this movie was partly written by Harry Essex, who also wrote Creature from the Black Lagoon. You would think that would be kind of like a more notable piece of trivia online. (laughs) You'd think it would be like blessing this movie and making it into like this classic. I actually do like the movie. It's long and it's definitely slow, and there's this whole part where they go into a cave and it's like 20 minutes long and nothing happens. Yeah. But if you did like a 30-minute supercut, you got something to work with here. Yeah, I could see that. (laughs) So the plot of the film has this like cast of characters who just for whatever reason refuse to not hang out directly where Octoman lives. Like it looks like Octoman is basically in a pond. It's like, why? What can't we just get away from this one pond? This is one of my gripes that I had with it because he lives in a swamp and octopus men they don't normally live in swamps, as far no. as I know. <laughs>
0: then,
1: what, what I'm trying to figure out, and I can't recall, is if it is intended to be a swamp or if they're just claiming that the swamp is an ocean. Well, no, but like they say swamp in the movie like 75 times, so oh, it's, they do. yeah, it's definitely I'm, a swamp. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta admit, I was I was tuning out the words, it was a sort of <laughs> focusing on Optiman, which was easy to do because Optiman appears. Like every three minutes in the movie, yeah, there's no shortage of Octoman. the movie, I think is seventy six minutes. Octoman is on screen for at least fifty two of them. <laughs> I have a uh, one piece of trivia for you, Jay. okay I, I probably know it because I've become the world's leading expert on this movie now. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, if you looked up stuff, I'm going to assume that you found out that grandpa Fred and gremlins too. Yes. yes. Yeah. You know, at the start of the film, he's a late night horror host and he was showing Octoman. <laughs> he was, the, and it was called, uh, revenge of the octopus people, right? Or, or it was revenge or attack of the octopus people. Yeah, yeah. 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 But no, it was Octoman. That's actually what kicked off my fascination with this film. I used to rent this all the time. So this was one that you knew and you said, you know what? I'm going to get this because they mentioned it in one of my favorite movies. It was exactly that. I mean, I liked sci-fi films and I would, before I was into like straight horror, I would always go to the sci-fi section, but with grandpa Fred's recommendation, what holds more weight than a recommendation than a wreck from grandpa Fred? Literally nothing, Jay. Literally nothing. It it also showed up in fright night uh, and it was called uh, Mars needs flesh. I believe god so it's almost like the tarantino fucking fruit fruit box right? <laughs> it's like this whole genre of octoman under different name films and it could be it could be rick baker's influence who knows maybe it's just because well, I mean, uh, in some uh, way. Yeah, yeah and just in case we you know came off uh disparaging we certainly didn't mean to the suit is great and it's very rick baker style you, you remember he did a lot of work in star wars just yeah. a few years later so it almost has the vibe of like something you'd see in the back of the cantina totally it totally has that vibe yeah there's one thing in the movie though that when you see the baby octoman mm. uh, and it's like it it, it kind of looks like like a rubber toy that you would see at the bottom shelf at kitty city it's absolutely <laughs> one of those spray painted squid you would get from like the new york aquarium on a class trip yeah <laughs> and like, did you notice just, that like it chirps i was gonna say it like snor- uh, the baby purr it purrs yeah and uh, yeah it's pretty hard to root against octoban when I mean, you know he's got these little children that kind of like mew like cats they're so adorable but yet then the adult it like snorts and growls which you would like that's weird that an octopus has that affect well i guess but i mean you have to remember the octoman probably didn't do that on a normal basis he was very upset these people were infringing on his area and stealing his children and yeah, like, keeping his children in like fucking soup thermoses <laughs> like every it's like what they keep getting these little baby octopuses and throwing them into these like barrels <laughs> I'm sorry, but I mean it, it pissed me off. They were being infringed upon, and this was their area. That swamp was their town. It's not the octopus's fault that the uh, humans were dumping waste or or giving off radiation or whatever they were doing that caused it to mutate. It's just yeah. living its life at this point. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. <laughs> so, Octoman. That was um, that was an interesting one, man. Uh, I don't know if I'm ever going to go back to it, but I can now walk around with the uh, background that I say, you know, I've seen Octoman. Yeah, because yeah, it is going to come up quite often Damn. at work, at family engagements, who knows, job interviews. Yeah. <laughs> LinkedIn. Before we talk money, let's talk about Octoman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Same way we got in, we'll get up. Get out,
0: Stevie. Stevie, look out. Number five. All right, my excellent Fisher dudes. On the count of three. One, two. Huh? Uh dudes? did we get him? The mine! <laughs> oh, not the boat! Not the boat.
1: <laughs> Next on my list. Is Tales from the Crypt Keeper, an episode from September 1994, and it's called Cold Blood Warm Heart. Ah, yeah. I watched this. It was good. Good stuff. Yeah. So, the animated kids version of the adult HBO program, Tales from the Crypt, it was toned down, of course, because the original show had a lot of gore and nudity and violence and stuff like that. So, it's kind of unprecedented before that to see horror genre moving to kids Saturday morning ABC TV yeah I mean if we're talking about I mean real literal horror stuff I might have been the first yeah and, and even if it wasn't like the first it was like probably the last <laughs> <laughs> no no we're, we're much more sensitive about that kind of stuff now but yeah back in whenever this came out what was it like 93 you could still get away with it yeah, and I think it's a cool concept. I'd love to see that come back. Like, if we can get a cartoon about Annabelle, I'm all for it. But uh, in this case, the premise of the show is that a man and a woman find that they have a lot in common while investigating rumors of a monster in a lake. Oh, boy. I Beware of the twist ending in this one. <laughs> yeah. So, basically, I'll paint the picture for you real quick. There's some guys fishing in a boat. The guy reels something in, turns out to be some kind of sea monster. Yep. He he gets pulled overboard. They don't make it blatant, but the sea monster seems to have killed the guy who was fishing. <laughs> so that yeah, was pretty they, big, too. I did notice there, there are portions of uh, Tales from the Crypt Keeper where, you know, the bad thing happened, but they kind of gloss over it. Yeah. It's like, yeah. or you know, just put a little musical unhappy uh, music over it no one will know what would happen there yeah it's like the smart kids knew that that guy died yeah <laughs> i mean later there's a part where there is clearly nudity on screen but they like don't show the crop. yeah exactly I'm like, I'm like they have to be nude <laughs> the sheriff's office called a press conference at their town hall, and there was this legendary fisherman, and his name is Mac Riker, who was basically their version of Quint from Jaws. Oh, please. I yeah. mean, the only difference between Quint and this guy are the name and, and maybe the fact that this guy's animated, but they were the same character. Yeah. And he wasn't drinking the Narragansett lager. Yeah. But like you said, the smart kids knew that he was. Yeah. <laughs> so this guy vowed to kill this uh, monster. And one thing leads to another. There's a girl that believes that this monster could be an injured whale or a dolphin. So then some random dude, this rando starts talking to the girl and he says, hey, listen, let's go out and investigate. I got a boat. The relationship came out of nowhere. In fact, it was so sudden that I actually until just now, meaning like 15 seconds ago, thought I had like left the room and missed the scene. All <laughs> That's the this, I guy, this guy's on the show. I'm like, yeah. huh, what's I, this? I had to watch it a few times because I'm like, wow, what's happening? So they go out on the boat, (laughs) and what happens is they find nothing. So later on, she sneaks onto Mac Riker's boat, the the Quint guy. Right, because the Quint's going out to kill the thing, and she's like, "Uh uh-huh, not going to kill this creature. Exactly. This is where we see the monster come up on Quint's boat. It was kind of scary, the monster, I think. It was like a a chubby creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah. I mean, he's a little scarier than Octoman, I think. (laughs) Uh, He's sleeker than Octoman. The, The Quint guy's trying to wrangle him up, and the girl falls overboard. Okay, so then the sea monster morphs into a human, and it turns out to be the random guy who was hitting on the girl before. This probably makes no sense to anybody right now. I mean, I saw the episode, and it doesn't make sense to me. So then another sea monster pops out of the water and starts terrorizing those guys. And I'm like, who booked this shit? (laughs) Ah! But then the sea monster morphs into the girl who was investigating the monster in the first place. And she said, she's just trying to find this other monster all along. And they fall in love and dive back into the water as sea monsters and they live happily ever after under the sea i thought i was the only one
0: so did i that's why when i heard i had to come to find you to be with you
1: where you belong It was wild. Uh, It was, I guess, a love story about two sea monsters who morph into people and didn't know that there was another one of their kind out there. (laughs) (laughs) You're laughing, but that's the summary. It's almost like so crazy to think that you could, in 1994, turn on cartoons at 10 a.m. and see this. By today's standards, you can't put this on TV for Saturday morning cartoons. (laughs) No, it, I mean it's a, a, a thematically a bit extreme, but yes, I mean it's it's a sweet enough story though. I mean these they, they're lovebirds, these fish people. <laughs> well, we'll let the listeners be judges if they want to go watch it. There's like seven different versions on YouTube. So tales from the Keeper, This was actually my first real exposure to the show. Okay. I loved it i love this episode i all in this sort of spirit where they like it's basically like a monster of the week situation yeah and in that episode there was like two different stories which i thought was fun because it made it like the anthology movies like the first movie that they did tales from the crypt yeah uh i didn't watch the second episode because i didn't have to but maybe he'll go back now that this one was good all we got is time man yep <laughs>
0: The Crypt Keeper. <laughs> Number six. Well, let me out! Let me out! Once on Earth with this lightning-fast speed, those stupid rangers will never catch him. That's the whole idea. Go get him, Sharky! <laughs>
1: so i guess we have a recurring gag of talking about old power rangers episodes on this podcast despite the fact that neither of us were really like crazy into the show <laughs> i think i'm more into the show now that you've gotten me into it I don't think I really appreciated it until we had to, like, fill slots on our monster-themed episodes. It's so much fun. Yeah, it really is. And, and that's uh, my introduction to Slippery Shark. All right. One of Rita's creatures from, I believe, the first season. Not one of the most effective ones, but uh, for a show about sea monsters, I think he fits well enough. Yeah, this was also from 1994. It was a very good year. It, oh, man, can you believe that? We got those those twin fish people from the Tales from the Cryptovers show and Slippery Shark. Wow. It's Amazing. crazy.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, how can I describe him? He's basically like a, um, he's a hammerhead shark. So his eyes are like on the sides of his head. Yeah. And if you can picture like a street shark that didn't hit the gym, that's basically <laughs> Slippery Shark. He looks very surprised at all times. Like he just got his bill from all his dental work. He does look very surprised, and the teeth, the, the teeth were horror So let's be real. Yeah. <laughs> so this guy, it's like for a shark. He's got kind of weird powers. Like at the start of the episode, he makes Jason and Tommy hate each other. Mm-hmm. He does, and, and I mean, I don't know how you felt about the whole subplot, but watching the red and green rangers at each other's throats, it tickled me, Jay. <laughs> what are you talking about? If it weren't for me, you'd be history, man. That's so typical. You think everyone else in the world is helpless but you. Not everyone, but in your case, what's that supposed to mean? Figure it out. You know what? I'm getting real tired of you acting like you're better than everyone else. And you know, I'm sick of taking orders from you. If you don't like to take a hike. The Power Rangers were doing just fine before you showed up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you didn't want them to fight, but you knew it wasn't going to last. Well, I, I know you're, you didn't probably didn't follow Power Rangers very closely back then, but I thought the Red Ranger totally had a point. Like, the Green Ranger came in from out of nowhere and stole yeah. all of his glow. Yeah. It was, like, it was like when Sean went heel and Brett standing there like, I'm supposed to hate America, now what? <laughs> you know, I, re- I remember, yeah, he was the hot shot. Yeah, yeah. So he got totally uh, uh, replaced, sort of. So I think there was some truth behind the Red Ranger's hate that episode. Yeah, I could see that. I could definitely see that. There was there was some animosity going on. Exactly. But uh yeah. getting back to our shark pal. Let's let's go through his powers. He could bury himself underground so that only his fin was visible and then he'd like plow through everyone like a lawnmower. Yeah, so basically he burrowed underground. He didn't swim. He didn't swim. Uh, and there's also no I don't even think anyone drinks water in this. No, there was so. not a drop of liquid in the entire <laughs> yeah, show. <so laughs> on a, a list about sea monsters, I'm I guess <laughs> what is it? I'm two for three so far. <laughs> I said, I I was thinking like, yeah, I guess he, he was using this uh, term loosely when he was saying a sea creature, a slippery shark. I'll be honest. I picked slippery shark before I'd seen the episode. So I put it on and prep for the show. I'm like, well, I mean, a slippery shark from Power Rangers, that's got to be worth talking about. Oh, yeah. And it finishes up. Jason and Tommy make up. The shark is dead. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, holy shit. There wasn't a fucking drop of water in there. (laughs) Yeah, there was (laughs) not. When they were in the big fight scene, you would think like, all right, maybe now they're going to go to like the beach or something. right? Right. But no, they were like in this like wooded area from some like fairy tale. And all this shark is doing, he's like hopping around. And every time he hopped into the air, he was like prancing and he pranced and then disappeared into nothing and then came back and rematerialized. He was so quick that he could do that. And yeah, that was one of his powers. That he was super fast. He was like Nightcrawler from X-Men, but like the Broadway version. <laughs> A little bit, yeah. <laughs> I buy that. Did you mention at the top the name of the episode? Finn something? something uh, yeah, Finn. On Fins and Needles. Oh my <laughs> God. Somebody earned their money it. with that one. I love it. <laughs> So, you mentioned the battle when he's like, kind of like hopping around and doing this thing. After they're trading punches for a minute or two, the Rangers try to do that thing where they merge five different weapons into that power blaster. Yes. But it like takes them five minutes (laughs) to narrate it. Yeah. Like, Rita's left there watching for the woods. She's like, I see what's going on here. Fuck this. And she like, you know, does her thing and makes the monster grow.
0: My grow!
1: shame on the rangers for tipping their hat they telegraphed the move that's kind of like what the whole problem was with toys back then because they would make this elaborate toy of one of these characters whatever and you're realizing like to reload this thing it's going to take me 15 minutes kind of like what we we're talking about with transformers it would take us 25 minutes to transform this thing but that's that's my point if that if we had to assemble a power blaster i think we could do it in a minute does every fucking ranger have to individually introduce their component of the power blaster is there is there i mean we do that then we do the teams then they do the fucking zords it's like we said this last time but half the show is repeating footage <laughs> it's a lot of stock footage yeah yeah I looked this episode up. It took me uh, like a half hour. I'm not even kidding. To find this one episode because there's like 40 different Power Rangers series on Netflix. I don't know how the fans keep track of like every different iteration. You are not kidding because when I went to go make sure that the the season that this is in is on Netflix, I had to actually scroll down a list of Power Rangers shows for like 30 seconds before I even found it. I don't think there's ever really been any kind of substantial break since it started. Maybe a little bit, but not substantial. That's it's uh, oh, that's amazing. I think yeah. it's a feat. Slippery shark. He goes up against the two Zords and he explodes in ten seconds. And you know, <laughs> not a not a stellar debut, but still a cool monster. <laughs> I love how they just keep coming up with different monsters like okay it's a shark send him he'll beat the rangers I I don't know if have you been did you watch the beginning closely when they have Finster who's like that mousy bat white lab coat fucking scientist that Rita has yes and he's like he bakes them like they're cookies and he's just so happy (laughs) Mm, time to see how my slippery shark is coming out (laughs) he's like he's got like the wooden fucking pizza pan and he's like you know shoves it in a little kiln oh the best Mm, seafood kempo. oh dear my new monster
0: the slippery shark must be ready let's see Number 7. You've got a tiger by the tail. Hold on. Tiger sharks. Tiger sharks. The first spaceship with a sail
1: All right, Matt, I've arrived at my last pick for the night, and that is Tiger Sharks, the cartoon from 1987. It's a cartoon with possibly the greatest theme song of all time. It's a banger. <laughs> yeah. So, this is a cartoon from Rankin Bass, the legendary production studio behind the stop motion Book of Shadows Blair Witch 2. Stop it. <laughs> 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 look i i apologize for not believing about the sandal aqua monster cartoon but there is no book of <laughs> shadows cartoon and there never will be you could keep saying nay but i Rankin believe in bass yeah, ranking bass's book of shadows blair which too i know it exists yeah <laughs> so so tiger sharks were awesome they were the uh, successor to Thundercats and Silverhawks, but rather than cats and birds, they transformed into heroic sea creatures when they took (laughs) a dip into a fish tank. So so this like whole genre where you just take an animal and add a word and just roll with it. It's the greatest. The greatest, yeah. And instead of living on Thundera, they lived on Watero. Oh, Watero, right? (laughs) Watero, yeah. Watero. Watero. So this show wasn't even like a full sitcom-length show. It was a part of a show called The Comic Strip. So it was these little like short clips in each show, and it had other cartoons that were part of it. Street Frogs, Karate Cat, Mini Monsters. The Tiger Sharks were a team made up of the Mako, which was the shark. The Mako Uh, was the coolest one. Mako was cool. Yeah, Uh, Dolph, who was a dolphin. Octavia. Another Octavia, and yeah, I gotta hybrid. say, between the 70s and 80s, whenever somebody had a name, a female octopus, they just went straight for Octavia. It was uh, the ever popular human octopus hybrid. Uh, but, <laughs> but you know, every person thought like they were the first person to do it, yeah, yeah. But like to put this in matte terms, her hair before transformation looks like. A stick of green fruit stripe gum. Oh my God, it totally looks like that. Yeah. Mm. And then we had uh, Lorca, which was an orca. And then we have Bronk, the seahorse, Angel, the angelfish, and Gup, the pet dog, which was actually a seal. fucking Christ, how many tiger sharks were there? Well, I didn't get to the best one. We had Walro. Walro was a human walrus hybrid. And we could do a whole show on the human-walrus hybrids of pop culture because we had Walrus Man from Star Wars. We had the Tuska Warrior from the Thundercats. The list goes on and on. But in this we had show... Tusk? The movie yeah. Tusk? Tusk, yeah. The Wilfred Brimley-style mechanic in this show, he was the guy, the brains behind this fish tank that they all jumped into and transformed into the tiger sharks. Okay, so I'm just so confused. All right, is tiger sharks just... a Generic name, or were they like supposed to be Tiger Shark slash Walrus, Tiger Shark slash Mako? No, it, I guess Tiger Shark was just kind of like the name that they came up with for it instead of like Thundercats. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. know, the guy who voiced Walro, interestingly enough, was the guy who voiced Mumra and Jaga from Thundercats, and he also he also was the voice. Of Megatron in some of the children's read-along books. I mean, that's on IMDb. Where are you getting this information? I just did a lot of research, but that's not even the best part. The guy who voiced Walro was selected from hundreds of actors in 1994 as the voice of Pope John Paul II on an audio tape of a book called Crossing the Threshold of Hope. All right, so let me see if I have it right. The guy who voiced the walrus also voiced Mumra, and he also voiced the Pope.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The ever-early Ray.
1: (laughs) Peace be with you. (laughs) So so they all fight this guy named T-Ray and his gang, And T-Ray is jacked. He's a manta ray, but he's kind of like the Sando aqua monster of manta rays. He's not a giant Leviathan, but he's jacked up. Yeah. He was pretty jacked. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, they had a line of LJN figures that were so cool. They're way out of my price range. They're like $500 a piece nowadays on eBay. I saw that. I mean, and let's be real. There are no takers from what I see, but yeah, people are not going (laughs) lower than like $400. And that's for one of the worst characters. If you want like Mako, You have to pay like 25 grand, Jay. Yeah, they'll leave it on eBay for six years, but it's like 600 bucks, take it or leave it. No one's buying it. I mean, seriously, though, if you had a Mintar card Tiger Shark, you wouldn't want to let it go for a little bit either. (laughs) (laughs) The one thing I know that you could truly appreciate the closing credits. I know you secretly have a thing for closing credit songs. Oh, I do. And oh, these are amongst the happiest musical notes okay. just ever recorded. Tiger, Tiger Sharks closing theme. And I challenge you to not want to like swing your head back and forth to this song because it's just so damn happy. Like swing around a pole. All right. So I, I hope I can find <laughs> I hope I can find this because I did try to look up YouTube videos of the episodes and in all the ones I found. The aspect ratio was essentially a triangle. And the audio is just non-existent. So let's see if I find it here. You to take, it, take it a minute, Tiger Sharks opening, opening, and he close. I need to close. All right, I got a little Tiger Sharks going on my screen. Let me see if we can find some credits. Ooh, there's credits. Okay. Oh my it. God. This is so oh, good. What, how is that the ending songs and tiger sharks? It's like when you think of like it's like have it's like Happy Day season twelve. I know, like when you think of cartoon sea creatures fighting evil. Oh wait a minute. So all right, here's the deal though. They are showing clips from the other cartoons, but I don't know how this music fits any of the shows. You said they had names like tunnel rats and sea monsters and shit <laughs> like that. Yeah, mini monsters. Yeah, mini monsters. Right. Uh, All right. <laughs> so I don't know how this like this. It's almost like someone got their hands on the Night Court theme and said, "Make it pop." <laughs> <laughs> that is the quintessential happy '80s TV theme song.
0: Number 8 Well listen I don't care how many wrestlers you send to me Every time you send them in that ring I'll destroy them Because I've got one goal And that goal is you Hogan And there'll be no running away from me Because when I land on you brother That'll be the end of your game
1: All right, uh, you've got to stand in line, my friend. I hate to bring that up and be the devil's advocate, but a lot of people would like a shot at Hulk and Jimmy Hart. Nobody knows that any better than you.
0: Huckster, the time is ticking away. Sooner or later, it's you and the lot nest. It's all over, baby.
1: (laughs) Okay, my last pick is a stretch, but hear me out, Jay. (laughs) Oh, God, (laughs) we did the show about pop culture sharks and I brought up the shark from World Championship Wrestling. Yeah. And, you know, you let me get away with that. <laughs> so, as you know, the shark was part of the Dungeon of Doom, a stable of monster-themed wrestlers who all wanted to kill Hulk Hogan. <laughs> Which you have an affinity for. I do. And today, I'm going to bring up another monster from the Dungeon of Doom. Oh, my God. Loch Ness! <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. A wrestler who is almost literally meant to be the Loch Ness Monster. He resembles the Loch Ness monster for sure. <laughs> he was portrayed by a guy named Martin Ruin. I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but he's best known as the English wrestler Giant Haystacks. Yes. You probably were at least familiar with a little bit of Giant Haystacks here and there. Yeah. Build height, 6'11", but his build weight was close to 700 pounds. This was an enormous man. Absolutely enormous. Yep. 1996 he lands at wcw he is like really getting old at this point so this is his his last run and he couldn't do much by then so i don't know if you watched any of his matches but it was basically like the good guy would try to punch him for five minutes and not really do anything and then lock Ness would shove him down once jump on him and then it would be over yeah there wasn't a lot of uh, wrestling action going on but I mean I loved those kind of wrestlers I've always been a fan of the big monsters and yeah. this was like one of the biggest ever yeah that, that's your thing you've always loved that yeah um they actually brought him into feud with Hulk Hogan but apparently the story was that he, Loch Ness got cancer and he was forced into retirement early Very somber end to Loch Ness's career, and uh, the weird thing was that you can't say that he was a product of, like, Kevin Sullivan or WCW, because he was Loch Ness previous to going to WCW. When you got a show that hot and you take it on the road, giant haystacks is one thing, but you call yourself the Loch Ness monster, who's not going to be like, I'm going to buy a ticket to ever show you on— you love the dungeon of doom. And they were probably like drinking some beers and like, listen, what other monster wrestlers can we recruit? (laughs) The Loch Ness monster. We got to get this guy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Give him a blank check. (laughs) Like he can't be roaming around another company. We have a monster (laughs) brethren right here. If Vince gets his hand on this guy, (laughs) we're done for. (laughs) There was an interview that I saw with uh, Loch Ness and you know how like they used to do a Yokozuna and they were talk about all the stuff he would eat and whatnot. Yep. So Loch Ness getting interviewed and they he would say he could eat like 46 donuts at a pop. Yeah. And I'm was, like, oh, was, my God. It was so actually kind of lame. Like they bring him in. He's Loch Ness Monster. And it's like in his interviews and on commentary, it's all these like kind of just fat jokes. I'm like, why would you kind of make fun of this amazing monster who could be such a thing for you? You jerked. Yeah. <laughs> the important thing here is that I didn't call the authorities on you. I didn't get a referee down here to officiate <laughs> this, uh, <laughs> this contest. <laughs> <laughs> I just let it go. <laughs> when I sent you my list, I knew there's a certain delayed reaction I get from you when I know something's upset you. It's like a very specific two minutes and 30 seconds, something in that area. And I got it when I said I was bringing up Loch Ness. No, that's not true. It's- <laughs> yeah, no. But I'm going to make you very glad that I did in a minute here, Jay. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't know how much you read about Mr. Ness, but in his past life as Giant Haystacks, he was pretty famous. He was actually friends with Paul McCartney and everything. Really? Yeah. And somewhere along the way, Jay, he dropped the hottest track of 1983 called Baby, I Need You. What? I am going to send you a link right now, and this is going to blow your mind. Wait, he said he recorded a song. He didn't just record it, he released it. And as soon as this thing copy pastes, you are going to hear it. (laughs) There you go. All right, so it's in my uh, links here. All right. Hold on. Let me open this up. Oh my God! Yep, yeah, I wasn't setting you up. I'm for real here, baby. I need you. By Giant Haystacks, the largest recording artist in the world. Oh my God! I can't believe what I'm hearing right now. That's the funny thing. Not only did he make a song, he did it well. It's good. This is amazing. Tell me, you couldn't see that playing over like a drug montage in Train Spotting. Why did he become a wrestler? This is his true calling. Exactly. How do you start your career up at top of the mountain making the best tracks that pop music had ever known and end losing to freaking Paul White on the way out of WCW in 1996? <laughs> what happened? Uh, as I'm looking in the comments on YouTube, I'm shocked. This is good. I've been a wrestling fan my whole life. I just found out about this. Amazing. Freaking amazing. To be fair, all three of those comments were from me. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is great. It is Loch Ness, baby. <laughs> oh, man. Awesome. I hear you calling. Be careful, my
0: darling. As I decline into the room.
1: All right, Matt. That was our sea monster show. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man! I just spit all over the computer. Oh, as the PC short circuits. Yep. Oh, geez. I can't can't see my screen. There's so much spittle on it now. (laughs) Yeah, hell of a show tonight as we swam the depths of the ocean for you to wrangle up in a net all of these monsters and creatures and uh, wrestlers (laughs) (laughs) some real deep sea cuts on this show joe oh yeah so let me run through your picks okay first we had octoman 1971 absolutely classic we had sando aqua monster Yes, yeah, star, not just of the Phantom Menace, but of that, that sort of bootleg side project where he had children and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I also was thinking, like, if Sando wanted to go dress up for Halloween, he could be Sando Calrissian. How you doing, you old pirate? <laughs> 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 so then we got uh, the Power Rangers, the on fins and needles for the slippery shark uh, villain. Yes, the highly effective dancing ballerina, hypnotizing, mesmerizing slippery shark. Yeah. <laughs> we had uh, the Loch Ness wrestler, which was really a surprise to me, I got to say, because um, I didn't expect what happened to have happened. He became a singer. He entered as a heel, but he left as a face. Yeah, that's what yeah. happened. <laughs> yeah. Man, this is going to be a tough one. hmm. I'm going to eliminate Octoman, unfortunately. Yep. As much as I love the Sando monster, he's out of here. So long, Sanda. I'm going to leave it to the Power Ranger Slippery Shark and Loch Ness, and I'm going to go with the Loch Ness Wrestler oh as my, my pick. God. Yeah, yes. and I'm going to tell you, if you didn't pull out that song that uh, that he sang, I don't know Maybe if I would have went I need with you. It. Maybe, yeah, I'm not going to remember that. But yes, that was awesome. <laughs> Man, you, you, you think you're not going to remember it, but after you've heard it for the 50th time this evening, because <laughs> you know you're going to put it on repeat as soon as we're done here. <laughs> yeah, pretty incredible stuff. Uh, and I like that you really went deep to uh, prove Loch Ness's worth. And, you know, you totally, which was the greatest part about your Loch Ness segment. Okay. It's how it fully, fully avoided the actual Loch Ness Monster from Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think we mentioned the Loch Ness Monster. That <laughs> was <implied>. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and how he, he didn't even attempt to dress like the Loch Ness Monster. <laughs> yeah, he had no... Right? Well, I mean, like, if you dress like the Loch Ness Monster, essentially dressing as, like, like a three-year-old would dress as, like, Barney the Dinosaur, what was he going to do? Have, like, a, a, a faux tail? Well, I was going to say, like, when Mantar came in, he had that big head mask thing. When we're doing our show about pop culture minotaurs, you can bring up Mantar. (laughs) That'll be a loaded show. I just can't believe, uh, for once in my miserable life, you have picked (laughs) my non answer answer as the the winner. Your iffy answer. Yeah, your iffy pick. Oh, man. Thank you for fucking singing that song, (laughs) Giant Haystacks. All right, let's look at your picks. Um, you brought Aquaman to the table, and while I'm on the subject of Aquaman, if you had told me earlier that Aquaman's dad was Django Fett, I would have watched it earlier. Oh, that's all I needed to say, huh? Yes, yeah, so I'm like, oh my god, that's Django Fett. I didn't know at first because they like CG'd him his age down. And so like yeah. I didn't quite recognize him. Like, wait a second, that's Django. Yeah, he's definitely in that. You also brought to the table the Kind of a creature from the Black Lagoon things from that Tales from the Crypt Keeper episode. Yes, yes. Octavia from Shira, Princess of Power, and the Tiger Sharks who. Oh, I, I, <laughs> I, what can I say about Tiger Sharks? Not much, to be honest. Yes. <laughs> so it won't be them, but let's see from the other three. Mm, okay. Oh, oh. It is a close race between the other three, but I think I got to give it to Octavia. Yes. yes. Awesome. <laughs> Just an awesome octopus lady. Just much different from the other characters on that show. She pops. She really does pop. She didn't get a lot of time. She should have been in it more, I think. The thing is, once you put Octavia in a scene, the show becomes about Octavia. So you can't afford to have her in every episode. It's yeah. she It's It's not... It's not Octavia, Princess of Power. She just naturally steals the spotlight. Exactly. And yeah. Dora was not going to have that. <laughs> so the finalists tonight are... What was it? What did you pick? Loch Ness and yeah. Octavia. Holy yeah. smokes. Wow. Yep. Whew. Absolutely. Um, and we want to uh, remind everybody that we are on Patreon. com slash purple stuff. And yeah, one. Well, thank you guys so much uh, for... For doing that and supporting the show. You guys are awesome. And if you get the chance if you want to leave us like a positive review or something, that'd be awesome. On iTunes, maybe five stars, maybe six. (laughs) Maybe six six, if you can figure out how. Just keep clicking it until it gets (laughs) even bigger. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. And we appreciate you listening. You guys are the best. I agree on every point, Jay. (laughs) So thanks. It's been a great Purple Stuff podcast. I am Jay from the Sexy Armpit. I am Matt from Dinosaur Dracula. Can you do that, that uh, voice again with the water and all that? <laughs> <laughs> I hope it was worth it. Yeah. Somewhere the sea,
0: somewhere. Stands on golden sand and watches the ships that go sail. Somewhere beyond the sea, she's there watching for me. If I could fly like birds on high, then straight to Thank you for listening to the Purple Purple Stuff Podcast.